of the Roost Podcast. I am your host for tonight, Matthew Bartlett, the director and the managing editor of the Roost. We're here to, I say we, it's me tonight. Carter is not available, so you're stuck with me writing solo as we uh, gulp work through the Western Kentucky game. Man, uh, a lot here to talk through tonight. We're going to kind of piecemeal it and then kind of talk through some repercussions now as we're down to two games left in the regular season for Rice, still looking for win number six to clinch bowl eligibility. So first things first, we got to start with the end result, which was a loss. And I think the part about this that made it such a painful loss is how well question mark rice played. And I was actually talking with head coach, Mike Bloomgren after the game about this. And he mentioned, he said, you know, it wasn't like that game two weeks ago. And he was talking about the Charlotte game, which I think probably, I mean, the margin ended up being pretty similar, but from go in that game, it really felt like Rice just didn't belong on the field. They weren't ready, they weren't prepared, and they got smacked. And they got smacked on the scoreboard against Western Kentucky, and they certainly didn't play well. I don't think anybody's going to argue that, but they, man, I feel like this game could have gone so much differently had it not been for the turnovers. And I mean, so I think going through the midpoint of the season, there was some grace. I think they've had seven tipped pass interceptions at this point, which is ridiculous. But, you know, we kind of said turnovers are fluky and they're kind of random and you can't just count on them that always being the case. But, you know, at some point you are who you are. And so at this point, I think, no, I don't think, I know Rice is a team that struggles with protecting the football. They have had fumble issues. They have had interception issues. Uh, Special teams has given up the football. It's been across the board. Rice does not protect the football well. And this is a team that historically, you know, at least under Bloomgren past five years has not, forced turnovers at a very high rate and so when you combine those two things not taking the ball away and giving away possessions it's disastrous and and I don't care if it's Charlotte I don't care if it's Western Kentucky if if Rice can't control the football they don't have a prayer so that that's one we got to talk about the turnover piece and is it fixable I mean she's I and I asked Bloom this after the game. I, I don't know what you do, like because if it were, if it were just a quarterback who's throwing interceptions, you can bench him. If it's just a running back who's fumbling, you can bench him. But, I mean, you have receivers at fault. You have running backs at fault. You have a quarterback at fault, who is hurt, and we'll get to that, in in a moment. But I just there's no easy solution, and that is a problem with only two games to go. And and it's not, you know, maybe it is. Maybe it is why why Rice lost this game. Because 
if you were to ask me, say, hey, Matthew, what was what was the perfect script? If Rice is going to beat Western Kentucky, you do, you know, what 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 does Rice do? And and it's what they did, honestly, with an asterisk. Their first drive of the game, ten plays, fifty five yards, five minutes, eight seconds, and it ends in a red zone interception. Like, you just can't. Like, even if you don't get a touchdown, you need three. They're at the least on the first drive of the game after you're already trailing because Western scored boom, boom, boom right out of the gate. So drive one, drive two, 12 plays, 50 yards, seven minutes and 34 seconds of possession. Again, red zone interception. The third drive, you had the sack fumble that was recovered by Western for the touchdown. I mean, that was that's just bad period. But the fourth drive... 13 plays, 75 yards, 6 minutes, 13 seconds, and you get the touchdown on that drive. Then, third quarter, 14 plays, 67 yards, 7 minutes and 21 seconds, and Rice actually scores a touchdown on that drive, but it's called back via a holding penalty, which negates it, so they end up settling for a field goal. But if we just freeze frame it right there, four of their five drives to open this game went 10 plus yard or 10 plus plays 50 plus yards and lasted six minutes or longer that's perfect that that is if you were to draw the recipe of how you beat a team that has an offense that's as potent as western kentucky's that's exactly exactly what you do and if you take away the opening drive interception and the two, the two red zone interceptions at, at a minimum, and say you don't even give them field goals, say, or say you don't even say, okay, yeah, 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 we would have scored. Say you just make them touchdowns, and so you have three field goals and one touchdown. You know that's inefficient offense, but but it's points. Then you're looking at through five possessions each midway through the fourth third quarter. Western Kentucky has 24 points, and you have 16, and it's a one-score game. And that's even if you didn't get any other touchdowns. Say you had to settle for three field goals there. It's a ball game, and that's that's with your backup quarterback in. And we got to get to that next, the quarterback front. So I actually pulled this up because I've been – I've had to track it. I have an entire – an entire spreadsheet here that has every quarterback start and quarterback usage from every game under Mike Bloomgren because it got to the point where it unfortunately needed to exist. So now that I have it open, I'm looking through it. And from the Louisiana game in week three to the UTEP game, TJ McMahon, started and finished each of those games, and that's a streak of seven games in a row. He did not finish the McNeese game. Etrius did, Shoki Etrius, because Rice was blowing out McNeese, and they were able to go to a backup. And McMahon did not finish the Western Kentucky game because he suffered an injury. And as of time of recording, that's an undisclosed injury. 
Bloomgren did not go into the severity post game, and nothing's been released yet. So we're and we're gonna get to what that means going forward. But first, I want to hit on so that's seven starts and finishes that McMahon had between the Louisiana game and between the UTEP game. That actually is the longest streak of consecutive games started and finished by a Rice quarterback under Bloomgren. If you want to go just pure starts and you start at the McNeese game to the Western Kentucky game, nine starts. Again, the longest starting streak by any quarterback under Mike Bloomgren. So, next, what happens? There, by the time this is released, maybe we'll have some answers, but I asked Bloomgren this week if he thought Wiley Green was going to be good to go and able to operate as a backup against Western Kentucky. I kind of knew that that might be a stretch as he's getting back to health, but I was hoping we wouldn't find out. We did find out. Uh, Wiley obviously wasn't able to go, so they put Shoki in there, who was fine, but also at times looked like a redshirt freshman. And and Bloomgren said as much. And, And I don't, throwing him in there, trailing by a couple touchdowns on the road against a turnover happy defense. It was not a recipe for success, obviously, but is what it is. So going into next week, this week, I guess, rather, against UTSA, I mean, we'll see. If if Wiley is healthy, he will be an option. If TJ is able to go, he will be plan A, obviously. This is TJ's job as long as he's able to go. So TJ would be option A. B would be depending on the health, I think, of Wiley Green. Obviously, if Wiley, well, I won't say obviously, but if Wiley Green is healthy enough, I know there's a lot more trust in what he's been able to accomplish over his time at Rice, and they would prefer to have someone like that at the helm of the offense and not have to right-size it, if you will, for, for Shoki especially against the best team in the conference. So that's kind of the plan. I had somebody ask about Giovanni Johnson. He's a wide receiver. Uh, Luke McCaffrey as well, also at wide receiver. He was kind of nicked up going into this game, didn't really play very much at all. I think he was on there the opening drive, but obviously not 100%, so wasn't able to uh, finish the game. Uh, Shout out, by the way, to Kobe Campbell. I thought he had a fantastic game and one of the most high-usage moments that he's had in his career so far. He was really, really good. So credit to where credit's due on that front. So at at quarterback, that's kind of where we're at. And here's another thing when we're having that quarterback discussion that we need to talk about is the interceptions. It's a problem. I mean, I don't. That's not earth-shattering to anybody, but it's it's become a real detriment to this offense. If you just kind of look at T.J. McMahon's body of work, he has now thrown more touchdowns 
than any other Rice quarterback under Bloomgren, but he's also thrown more interceptions. So TJ McMahon has started nine games. He has 15 interceptions. And to kind of put it in context, I know, you know, Wiley Green has a bad rap for his decision-making and kind of some of the throws that he wishes he could have back. Well, in 14 starts, Wiley Green has thrown 11 interceptions. So McMahon is averaging 1.7 interceptions per start, and Wiley Green is averaging a little one about 0.7. So <laughs> TJ is throwing in an interception more per start than Wiley is. And that's just bad, man. Like, you just can't, you can't do that and win football games. And, and, and we knew, and I said this going into the year, that the TJ McMahon experience was going to be a roller coaster, that you were going to have those lows, but the highs were going to make it worth it. And we saw those highs, how he finished Louisiana Tech game, how he finished the UTEP game, some unbelievable performances by him and ball placement was really good. Uh, but on the bad days, man, it's really bad. And it's, it's debilitating for an offense that I think is doing a lot of other things well. And one of the other things uh, we'll stick on the offense here and then we'll get to the defense. I want to touch on the running game, which I think for two weeks in a row now, has looked pretty potent and Rice has been able to run the football and a big reason for their success has been Jumo Otaviano, who in this game, 14 carries, 96 yards. That's an average of 6.9 per carry. And I mean, bar none, he has been the best running back on this roster. And the only caveat I, w- I would put in that is, is Cam Montgomery has been fantastic. So it's not a slight here on Cam. Uh, I think just different body types. And Cam's a guy that you, you just shouldn't give 20 carries a game between the tackles. He's best playing that more um, off tackle and uh, mixing him in, sprinkling in a little bit of touches here and there to keep the defense honest and make them account for that speed. And I think Bryce has done really well, credit the coaches on this, on how they kind of weave in Cam Montgomery. What I don't think they've done well, what what kind of has been irksome for me is the usage of Juma because when we saw him have that breakout game against Louisiana Tech, you just kind of thought, okay, next week against Charlotte, he'll be the dude, and he just wasn't. He didn't. He didn't get any chances, um, really, until that game was out of hand. You saw him get a little bit of run against UTEP, and he was fantastic. And he got some more run this week against Western, and he was great. He was, and and it's one of those things that when when he really started going, it was after TJ had gotten hurt. And you have a redshirt freshman quarterback in and everyone in that stadium freezing their <laughs> their bottoms off. But everyone in that stadium knows where the football is going. They know Rice is going to try and take the air out of the ball and run, run, run. And what happens, Juma still finds ways to run ridiculously efficiently. He was really, really good in that game. And that 
that's even more impressive than just getting up some good numbers is to be able to run in a situation where everybody knows you're going to run. Like, that was fantastic. So why has he fallen down the depth chart? I think, honestly, it was some bad luck. You know, after his big freshman season, uh, he's dealt with some injuries, kind of got stuck down there, ended up getting onto the field in the return game and has had a couple big returns, but then just kind of got buried after, you know, you had Ari Broussard who had a couple big games last year and kind of took the lead role and the staff is, I mean, was really committed to Ari and Ari did a lot of things well and, you know, so he got the bulk of the work. We haven't, hadn't seen much Dean Connors, it didn't really see much Uriah West. He wasn't fully healthy, so that was a big part of it. And then Cam. And you saw Cam's usage kind of uptick too. But I really think if Rice is going to win some of these games down the stretch, I think the best – I mean, you gotta you got to run the football. And I don't think – especially with the re- receiving core that Rice has – you don't want to completely ground it, but when teams stack the box, you got to take advantage. And I think that's somewhere where I think TJ's been pretty good and very capable is making defenses pay. If he can, if he has the protection, making defenses pay for trying to stack the box. I think the aggressiveness maybe on base downs where you're not getting that pressure has kind of led to some problems. So, and it did. It did in this game against Western Kentucky. So the offense, I know they scored 10 points. Uh, everything with the back of quarterback didn't go well. It is what it is. Uh, I think, you know, those offensive drives that got down to the red zone, I mean, this is still an offense that is capable of scoring at 30-ish to 40 a game when everything goes well, even you mix in some turnovers, it's a 30-point game offense. And we saw that, you know, in the UTEP game, Louisiana Tech, even you go back to some of the prior games, like they, they can score. So I don't think the offense is broken. I think it's going to be just fine. I think it's all going to come down to whether or not they can protect the football and who's playing quarterback. And hopefully we'll have some answers there. So that was a long time talking about the offense. It's time to talk about the defense because, man, a couple weeks ago, I think it was after the FAU game, the coaching staff was talking about, you know, and maybe not just the coaching staff, but the players had had a goal this season. They wanted to post a shutout, which is – you know, a big ask, and they've done it before. They did it against Marshall, and it was it was massive back in 2020. Obviously, they're not posting any shutouts anytime soon, but I think the bigger problem has just been their complete inability to get off the field. And this, this isn't rocket science. This isn't, you know, breaking any news, but they just – it's been – it's been the weirdest thing because it used to be, you know, the past couple of years, it's been like, man, the rice defense is legit. They are solid. They are going to keep you in the game. The offense just needs to do their part. And now I think sans turnovers. And again, you can't just erase those, but I think we've seen this offense move the ball more effectively than we've seen them move the ball. 
so you see it's there, but at the same time, you've been getting, I mean, almost nothing from the defense. They did have an interception this game where, I don't know if that was a, a route that was run incorrectly or, or what was going on, but Austin Reed just threw up a prayer ball to to nobody. Oh, well, I guess to Lamont Narcisse, who got under it and picked it off, and that, that was that was great. They needed that momentum shift. That kept it that kept them in the game for much longer, even though the offense, you know, wasn't able to to close out those drives. So there was that. But then and the other thing here is going back to but the bye week. Since the bye week, Rice has been more effective getting off the field on third and short than third and long, third and five plus. And that was, again, that was the case again in this game. I mean, Western Kentucky was 8 for 11 on third down. Uh, Only three of those third down attempts were from four yards or shorter. Uh, And they were two for three on on four four yards and shorter. Uh, Just doing some back-of-the-envelope math, what is that, Uh, six for eight on third downs of five plus and uh, there was a couple in there that was just they were just back breaking and I don't know man I third down is not any anything special it's I mean it's 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 one more down but defensively you're not doing all that much different than you would do on second down unless in some of these instances you know both you and the other side know that it's probably an obvious passing situation especially in those third and longer downs so theoretically it should be easier again it's not that doesn't make sense I I I would think that and this is the same thing as the as the turnovers I think this would be one thing that eventually just the odds bear out that that rate kind of ticks downward because it just doesn't make sense i mean as it is rice uh, opposing defense or offenses against rice are converting on 42.7 percent of their third downs which is a lot it's eighth in conference usa but utep and western kentucky both con- have both converted 60% plus of their third downs. You look at the games before that, Charlotte converted 30% on third down, or 33 rather. Louisiana Tech at 46, Florida at 12. I mean, it third down hasn't always been the bugaboo. It, the explosive plays have been part of it, but Man, you got to get off the field, and I think these are this game, you know, just like the Charlotte game, were instances where if you and and really in the Charlotte game, Charlotte did so much damage early on at first and second down that third down didn't matter, and then they converted a couple fourth downs to kind of mellow that out. So it wasn't good. But Western Kentucky, talking about this one, just. The two things happening in tandem, defense not being able to get up on the field on third down and the offense turning it over, there's no way that you play a winning football game when you're doing that. And I think those are two things that in themselves 
aren't. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know if the, what the right word is. I'm going to say aren't chronic, but they are chronic because they lost this football game. But they're not things that from week to week should be fully indicative. And that's the thing that you know you kind of hold on and you talk about. Okay, so what does this mean going forward? Well. If you go back and just, I'm looking at third down here, right? So 63, 61, 33, 46, 12, 33, 36. That's the last six games, seven games that Rice has had on third down. Somewhere between 12% and 60%, literally bouncing back and forth from game to game. You have a 12% uh, conversion rate allowed against Florida Atlantic and 46 the week following against Louisiana Tech. So it is, it, it's not random, but there's a lot that goes into that third down happening. And then if you want to do the same thing and you want to talk about turnovers for Rice, uh, six against Western Kentucky, you just go backwards, two, one, three, three, one. Again, just going back, that's last six games and obviously negative turnover margins in all of those games. Well, act, I lied. They were plus one against UAB, forced two, forced two turnovers in that game. And oddly enough, wouldn't you know, they won that game. <laughs> what a concept. But, I mean, you go from six against Western, two to UTEP, one against Charlotte, three Louisiana Tech. It, again, these are things that, yeah, we, we've talked about the decision-making of the quarterback position. And I think you have to assume that there are going to be some turnovers, one or two in there, because we've seen reliably that's happened. But just what are the odds that you allow a 60% conversion rate on defense and you turn the ball over six times? Those are both worst-case scenarios. Like, you can't be much better at either side. So I think some of those are indicative of a, I mean, it falls on the coaching if that's happening on repetitive occasions. So there's that piece and some of us, and some of it is, it is bad luck. So it's a, it's a combination of both. And I don't think even if, I don't know, there's no great schematic shift in the next seven days, which there won't be. I think both of those are numbers that can go down. The unfortunate part is you have UTSA and North Texas, who are two of the best teams in this conference, left on deck. So it's not going to be easy. But I think there's some – it's easy to draw some connections there of kind of seeing what in this game is chronic and indicative of future games and, and what's just – bad luck and I, I kind of as we go further in the season I weight more of the bad luckness on preparation than I do in week two I'm more concerned about turnovers now than I am or I was when they had three pick sixes against USC I'm more concerned about the inability to get off the field on third down now than I was you know against Louisiana Tech for example which just a couple weeks ago but I still Again, neither of those um, should be enough in themselves. But when you put them together, man, that is ugly. So the offense, the defense, 
Uh, Christian Van Sickle remains perfect as a kicker for Rice football. Uh, he's been fantastic. Definitely a plus when everything else is going going so awful to have that. But it is what it is. I mean, it was really it was really disappointing. It was a game that Rice had no business not being competitive in, given how they started, even with the quarterback loss. So disappointing on that front, and it just makes this next one all the more important. We, well, JP Heath and I will break down the UTSA game on Wednesday during the lunch hour and kind of talk ahead and, and preview UTSA specifically. But just for our purposes, I mean, who's going to show up, right? What offense is going to show up? What defense is going to show up? Who's going to be, who's going to play quarterback? It almost feels like a grab bag of, you never know what you're going to get at some point. Like they're going to look out and, and hit sevens, right? Roll sixes, roll sevens. I don't know. P- pick whatever, gambling metaphor suits your fancy at that point so man we'll see it's been it's been a roller coaster i'm exhausted i'm tired of going back and forth (laughs) from highs and lows i will say this rice has not uh, followed a loss with a loss this season they're undefeated off of losses the week after they lost a game this year and only lost one game at home, wouldn't this be the perfect Rice season, right? Like, you lose to the worst team in Conference USA at home, and then four weeks later turn around and beat the best conference team team in Conference USA because that's as much sense as this team has made this year. And, you know, honestly, I, I would take that. And then we will <laughs> we'll get to save some of those, you know, questions for another day. But... That's kind of where we are. I think there's a lot in this game that we kind of talked about with Western Kentucky that are indicative of real problems because we're past time where you get to say, all right, this is week six. It didn't work. You know, bummer. Like, yeah, no, there's some issues here. This team is – the roster is better, and they've played better in moments to know that this is a team that – should be bowl eligible. This is a team that is good enough to beat, to be better than half the teams that they've played, especially when you look at the level of competition and the games. And it doesn't always work out that way. There's some bad luck, but it is what it is. So, man, I'd love to see them find a way to get one or two more out down the stretch, but we'll see where it is. But we'll be back. Rain or shine next week, hopefully with Carter, so that I'm not here alone to guide you through a depressing journey by myself of just uh, everything that has gone wrong and maybe some positive notes. So we'll see. We will be back next week to break down UTSA. After that, there is, I guess, Turkey Day and then one more guaranteed game this season against North Texas. So we'll see as always. Make sure you're staying tuned during the week on on Patreon. If you haven't subscribed yet, we've got basketball coverage that's starting up and then always we have the football updates that are going out. I think it, it kind of I news going around when I broke the news of the flu uh, 
I guess, breakout that was going around the team and had lots of folks asking and un uncertain about where that was going uh, on Saturday, Sunday, into, into Monday now. So it is what it is. We'll try and keep you updated as best we can. Hopefully we'll have less flu and more certainty on the injury front. It was kind of a bummer not to have a full complement of guys back especially when it was, it was kind of hard to tell during the week. Are they not here because they have the flu? Are they not here because they're hurt? Hopefully we'll have some more clarity there. I, I can promise you this. We will have answers this week by the time the practice report goes up about the quarterback situation. So if you want to be prepared, you want to understand what the plan of attack is at quarterback, that'll be on Patreon. We'll have a practice report up middle of the week. I mentioned the preview of the game with J.P. Heath. On that's on the Rice Athletics YouTube channel. That'll be on Wednesday. We'll be going live. Uh, happy to if you want to chime in during that so, and we'll take some questions. That's always fun. But we got a lot. We are, you know, always here to talk Rice football to kind of debrief with you. And then the last thing I'll plug is I put up a Q and A request. That's one thing that is one of my favorite things to do during the month is for all our subscribers on Patreon, I do a Q&A of, hey, you know, what are you thinking? What do you want to know? And I'm taking kind of those questions now, next week or two, I'll get them out. Obviously, we've got a lot uh, about football right now, about uh, about Bloomgren, about bowls and APRs and, and all that stuff. So we will tackle a lot of that. But for now, that's it. Uh, I've gone 30 minutes with y'all by myself, and I think I will give Y'all a break until we do this again next week and then give my myself a break too and get ready for the week ahead. We got a lot of basketball, a lot of football, and a lot of things going on. So for for now, we will sign off. I will sign off and I will uh, wish Rice football some good luck. And regardless, see y'all next week. Rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.